Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for receiving us at your table. We thank you for reminding us of your incredible love that was poured out for us in Jesus Christ, who indeed gave his body and his blood on that cross for us. Help us, O Lord, just to remember the great price that was paid for our sins, that we may never take for granted the grace that has been given for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll invite you to stand if you're able as we read the Gospel of John. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around them. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Word of God for us tonight. You may be seated. How many things do you need to clean up for? How many? Think about it. I mean, we need to wash our hands before we eat. At least in my house, when we were little, it was always a rule. You always had to go wash your hands. And my mom's excuse was always, I don't know where your hands have been. I don't know what you've touched. <laughs> You're going to go wash your hands before we eat. What about getting a shower before you go to bed because you've been working all day or out all day and you've been sweaty and... It's not good to go, go to bed with all that on you, right? 
What about washing up before a big event? Before you go out on an outing, nobody goes, hey, honey, let's go out on a date, but let's just go like we are. Everybody says, no, let's clean up. Let's dress up. Let's get ready for it. Let's go together and let's do this. We especially wash when we know that we're going to be in public. Did you know that? Think about it. If you're staying at home, you might wear your pajamas all day and never take a shower until nighttime. But if you know you're going out, you immediately think, I got to wash up. I got to freshen up before I go out. We do it, but we don't let somebody else do it for us. Think about that. We don't mind washing up and getting ready. We don't mind cleaning up. We don't mind sometimes, you know, taking two showers in a day if we need to because we just happened to get really filthy during the day and we had to take another shower. But the idea of somebody else washing us immediately sends the heebie-jeebies right up and down our spine, doesn't it? You immediately begin to think, ah, uh, no, I don't know about that. Because the idea of somebody else washing us makes us completely uncomfortable. It immediately makes us self-conscious and very self-aware. You begin to think about all of the things about yourself that the person that washes you is going to become aware of. Immediately you begin to think, did I shave? Did I not shave? Did I put deodorant on last time? Did I remember to comb my hair? Especially if after this washing, you're going to go on a date. Think about it. All the insecurities and all the things that come to your mind when you think of somebody else washing you, immediately you panic. And then you want to do what we call a pre-wash. You know what a pre-wash is, right? That's when you want to get clean before somebody else gets you clean. And then you let them clean you because you've already checked it out, right? So there is a lot of anxiety that goes on with that. We begin to think about all these things when we think about that. So now imagine how the disciples must have felt when in the end of supper, as they are sharing this Passover meal, Jesus just all of a sudden gets up from the table and takes off his outer robe, goes find himself a towel, grabs a basin with some water, and begins to pour. And I have a feeling that you could have heard a pin drop in that room. I have a feeling that when that water began to fall in that basin, everybody, got, everybody that was talking around the table got quiet. What's he doing? This is not part of the events for a Passover meal. This is not what we're used to. What is he doing with that towel? And can you imagine when he began to wash the disciples' feet and he came to the first one and put their feet in the basin and began to wash their feet? I mean, I don't know about you, but I immediately would have looked at my feet to see just how filthy they were. And I would have been one of those disciples grabbing a napkin and very carefully pre-washing my feet, knowing that Jesus was three disciples down. 
You see, it must have been such a shock that nobody knew what to do. Because here was the master, the one who had led them for three years, a man that they had seen walk on water on his knees, washing their feet. It must have been such a humbling experience. He showed them just how much he loved them, that there was really nothing he wouldn't do for them. Think about that. Jesus loves you and loves me like nobody else ever can. He is willing to do anything to show that love, even humble himself before his own disciples to wash their feet. Some of them must have been so shocked that they just stood there and just didn't say anything and didn't do anything. They didn't know what to do. But not Peter. For we know that when he got to Peter, Peter was ready for him. Peter wasn't thrilled about the idea of Jesus washing his feet. He knew that this was not the way it was supposed to be. Have you ever tried to tell God how the way it's supposed to be is? doesn't really work very well. But Peter thought, you know, this is one thing that I know that I'm right on. I'm going to set Jesus straight. And when Jesus got to him, he said, yo, Jesus, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Do you intend to wash my feet? And you could almost sense that defiant tone that Peter was sometimes known for. You know, are you really serious about this washing of my feet? Because I really don't think so. I don't think it's a good idea. You could tell that Peter was not into this. And the minute that Jesus saw that, I imagined that he shook his head a little bit because he was used to Peter by now. He was used to the fact that Peter was strong-willed, that Peter sometimes spoke his mind, well, all the time spoke his mind, and that he really didn't understand what was going on. And he told Peter, he says, you know, let me tell you something, Peter. If I don't wash your feet, you can have no part with me. If I don't wash your feet, you can have no part with me. Well, is that any different than what we heard from mom or dad when we came to the table with our hands full of mud because we were playing outside? So you're not going to eat until you go to the bathroom and you wash those hands. Is it any different than that? Why would it matter to Jesus that he wash Peter's feet? Why would it matter to him that Peter allow him to do this? Because Jesus wanted to teach Peter something. There are certain things that God needs to do for you that you can't do for yourself. There are certain things that are the purview of God, and washing away of sins is one of them. You can't wash away your sins. It's like trying to take off permanent marker with water. You'll be scrubbing that skin off for hours. It's not going to work. 
And Jesus was trying to help Peter understand, if I don't do this, you can have no part of me because you need to learn the lesson that I have come to take away your sin, to wash it away, and this is a symbol of that act. I'm about to do that because I love you. But Peter was thinking like we do, that we can take care of those things ourselves. You know, it's funny. You're going to the dentist and you do an extra wash on your teeth and you floss for the first time in God knows how many days, right? And the idea is that you show up at the dentist and he goes, my, what a wonderful job you've done. Pat you on the back and sends you home, right? But what Jesus was trying to help Peter understand is there's no amount of pre-cleansing that you can do that will make you clean enough to be part of my kingdom. Because if you could do that, you wouldn't need me. If you could do that, I wouldn't be here. If you could do that, I wouldn't be going to that cross. But you can't. You got to let me do it for you. But when Peter heard that the only way to take part in what Jesus was doing was to let him wash him, then he went to the other extreme, as was characteristic of Peter, you know, go all the way in either way. And so he says, you know what? Why stop at my feet? Let's go for the whole bath. I want the full cleansing. Go from head to toe, arms. You know, I got a little something under my nails right here. Let's do it all. You see, even then, Peter was not understanding the symbolism of what Jesus was telling him. Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for what was coming. He was trying to tell them, I'm about to give my life for you. And he was thinking of dirty feet and cleansing with water. Jesus sometimes just has to put his foot down with us and say, listen, if you want to take part in my kingdom, then I have to be the one who cleanses away your sin. I have to be the Lord of your life. I have to be the one who washes away what you consider the big sin and what you consider the little sin. All the sin because it's all dirt before God. I've got to take it all. Now, Peter understood one thing. He didn't want anything to get between him and Jesus. That was one of the things that was pretty much a constant for Peter throughout his ministry until he denied Jesus. He, he tried always to keep things from getting between him and Jesus. And he was willing to humble himself to a full bath in front of his other disciples, if that meant that he could stay with him. I'm sure Jesus chuckled at, his, at Peter's response. Like I said, he, at this point, he was already used to his impulsive nature. He was used to Peter. You know, I, I think sometimes Peter said stuff, and the other disciples went, that's just Peter. You know, they got used to that. But Jesus basically said, no, silly, one that has taken a bath does not need to wash but their feet. And then the scripture pauses for a minute and reminds us that not everybody there was clean. And there was one Judas Iscariot around the table who had already made up his mind and his heart to betray Jesus 
for 30 pieces of silver. Yet isn't it amazing that Jesus had washed all of the disciples' feet and Judas was among them? You know, when Jesus said that thing about love your enemies, he meant it. He was the man who was going to betray him. He was the one who was going to put everything into motion for him to go to the cross. And he still got down and washed his feet. Jesus knew that most of them didn't understand what was going on. So scripture says he, he put his robe back on, went back to the table, sat down, and said, do you know what I have done for you? And I'm sure that half of them were going, did he do something extra that I didn't see? He washed our feet, right? <laughs> I mean, they were, they were back. Do you know what I have done for you? It's like when they pop you a, a, a quiz, you know, and you're like, whoa, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and that is right, for that is who I am. If I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Do you know what I've done for you? Do you know what Jesus has done for you in going to the cross? Do you know what he has done for your life? Not just the life to come, but the life now that you're living. Do you know what it means to follow him. In a way, I think this is the question that Jesus keeps asking us. Do you know what I have done for you? You see, we can get on board with things that Jesus said at times, like, you know, love one another. We can do that one. You see somebody with, with dried a coat and you got two, give them one. We can get on board with that. That's a good example to follow. We can get on board with a lot of the things that Jesus said because he is the example we follow. But what happens when we realize that the example we follow went to a cross? Can we still follow the example? Can we still give our lives to him? Can we still go through the cross so that we can experience the resurrection and the life? that Jesus has prepared for us. Jesus said, I have set for you an example, and you are blessed if you follow it. As we make our way through the rest of this holy week, and we relive the passion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, let us not forget that Jesus is inviting us to follow his example in all three of those facets of his life. See, we all want to follow his example in the resurrection. Amen? But can we follow his example to the cross? And can we follow his example to the tomb? Because I think that when Jesus calls us, he doesn't just call us to Easter Sunday. He calls us to Maudie Thursday, and he calls us to Good Friday, and he calls us to that Holy Saturday when he laid in the tomb before he was raised from the dead.
May God help us to follow the example of Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Jesus, who was such a humble servant, so willing, O oh Lord, to show his love to his disciples even to the last moment. O oh Lord, and so willing to tell us that he was doing this because he loved us. Lord, help us not to look at his example and not take it to heart. Help us, Lord, to just try to follow in his footsteps even when they lead through difficult things and even when they mean suffering in our lives. Help us, O oh Lord, simply to be willing to live for Jesus and to die for him that we might be raised one day in glory. In his name we pray, amen.